Hello and welcome to ZF1 Amateur Podcast, a post-Formula 1 race commentary podcast hosted by me, Homura Ruth. I hope you're doing well, but if for some reason life is not going as well as you'd like it to, I always say take it to the Lord in prayer and hopefully some Formula 1 will cheer you up. Welcome to today's episode, which is a recap of everything that happened at the 2022 British Grand Prix. If you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for joining. This is a post-Formula One race commentary podcast, which means I give a review of everything that happened at a Grand Prix weekend in Formula One. And I've been doing that since 2020. So uh, towards the end of 2020 is when I started. So you'll find every race from then on up to today on the podcast channel. So why not subscribe, leave a review, it greatly helps and you won't miss a single episode. If you've been here from day one, thank you very much. I really, truly, truly appreciate you. All right, once again, welcome to today's episode, which is a recap of the 2022 British Grand Prix that ran from the 1st of July to the 3rd of July. Now, bear with me. If you're a Formula One veteran or if you're an expert in Formula One, please bear with me. I'm going to keep explaining some things that may seem very um, normal to you or something that you think everybody should know. But there are some people who are on the podcast here who do not actually know Formula One that much. So I like to go a little bit in depth for them. Now, a Formula One Grand Prix weekend happens over the course of three days. Usually begins on a Friday and we end on Sunday with the race. Now, let me give an example. For the British Grand Prix, it ran from the 1st to the 3rd of July. So from the 1st of July, we had the Free Practice Session 1 and the Free Practice Session 2. On the 2nd of July, we had the 3rd Free Practice Session and the Qualifying Session. Then on the 3rd of July, we had the race itself. That is how Formula 1 runs with the exception of certain Grand Prix. For example, I believe is it Monaco? Once in a while, you can have it start on Thursday. There are exceptions for very few Grand Prix, but it actually runs that way. All right, this one is an exciting one, the British Grand Prix, because it is the oldest Grand Prix on the Formula One calendar. In fact, the very first Formula One World Championship round was held at... The British Grand Prix, not at the British Grand Prix, it was the British Grand Prix that happened on May the 13th in 1950. And it was Giuseppe Farina who won that year. He won the very first round of the Formula One World Championship and it was in Alfa Romeo. And later on, he actually won, um, he won the championship that year. I believe he's the very first one who won the championship that year. But I stand to be corrected if I got it wrong. So the British Grand Prix was first held in 1926. And then later on, it was held annually in 1948. But then it became a full round of the FIA Formula One World Championship since 1950. So we've been racing here for about 76 times. So... By 2019, that was the 70th time that the British Grand Prix was being held there. And it was also the 53rd time that a World Championship round was held there, particularly at the Silverstone Circuit. Now, currently, the Grand Prix itself is held at the Silverstone Circuit, which is near the village of Silverstone in Northamptonshire in England. So that's where we're racing this time around. And a little bit about the circuit. The circuit is 5.891 kilometers long. If you prefer miles, that's about 3.66 miles. Drivers cover a race distance of about 306.198 kilometers. 
And if you prefer miles, that's 190.263 miles here. They also do 52 laps at the Silverstone circuit. And the track itself has, I think, 18 turns, I believe, and two DRS zones. The first DRS zone is between turn 2 and turn 3. And the second DRS zone is between turn 10 and turn 11. Now, the last time we went racing out here was quite interesting. In fact, if you miss, if you miss the race itself and you actually are not for Formula 1 and you can relive Formula 1 races that happened in the past, you can scroll through my podcast channel. I covered uh, the 2021 British Grand Prix. Anyway, this is how it was. Max Verstappen was in pole position last year, but it was actually Lewis Hamilton who won the race. Uh, Charles Leclerc came second and Valtteri Bottas came third. I remember you, I think, I'm pretty sure you remember the notorious clip of, you know, the, the, that was it, it wasn't like a, it was a crash. Some people, it, it is a crash. It's not a crash. I don't know. But you know, the collusion between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, uh, was it at the Cobb's corner? Something like that. Yes. When Max spun off into the barriers and Lewis went on to win the race, it was quite controversial, but that is what it was. Last season was very, very dramatic. Now, the driver with the most wins here is the one and only Sir Lewis Hamilton. He has won eight times at the British Grand Prix. And the team with the most constructive wins is Ferrari. They have won 16 times at the British Grand Prix. Now, Ferrari are an Italian team. And even the Ferrari team itself is one of the oldest teams we have in Formula 1. In fact, the British Grand Prix and the Italian Grand Prix are the only two Formula One World Championship Grand Prix that have happened during every Formula One season that has been held. All right, enough talk about the British Grand Prix. I think by now you have a pretty good idea of what it's like. Let's take a short break and when we return, we'll dive into the qualifying session. Okay, sorry for interrupting the show, but... You probably love motorsport because you're listening to my podcast and I'm grateful for that. So if you love Formula E motorsport, the motorsport series, why not listen to my newest Formula E podcast called Z Formula E podcast? It's all about motorsport. I bring you the latest races in motorsport, the drivers, what happens in the tracks and off the tracks and why Formula E is a newer sport you should be interested in. So just look for Z Formula E podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Formula E podcast and you'll be sure to listen in. And then, aside from that, yes, I'm a woman of many talents and many passions. I also have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. As you know, I am from Uganda. I'm from Kampala, Uganda. And I love to share the beauty of Uganda with the rest of the world, which is why I started my other podcast called Z Humura Show. So if you'd be interested in that, just look for Z Humura Show on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Humura Show. All right, let's go back to Formula One welcome back from that short break now let's dive into the qualifying session for the 2022 british grand prix now like i said before sometimes the new people who listen to the podcast who want to get to understand the sport a little bit more so i like to take some time to explain a few things for them but if you're a veteran please bear with us so, like I said before, Formula One Grand Prix happens over three days. The first day, usually being a Friday, has two practice sessions. Free practice session one and free practice session two. Each session lasts 90 minutes. On the second day, which is usually a Saturday, you have the free practice session three 
and the qualifying session then on the third day you have the race itself so now um and actually in i believe in free practice three which is the third practice session that happens on the saturday sometimes you have non-regular formula one drivers partake in it that means drivers who are not part of uh, the Formula One teams officially, they could be reserve drivers, they could be rookie drivers, all trying to get some time in a Formula One car because it's it's very needed, especially if you want to join a, fo a Formula One team later on in the future. You need to show your experience and you need to understand how the tracks work and everything and the circuit and how the car itself works because probably you're from, I don't know, a different series, maybe Formula E or you're from Formula Two. So you want to get a better understanding of how everything works. Now, when it comes to qualifying, qualifying lasts an hour in Formula One and it's done in three knockout stages. You have Q1, Q2, Q3. Now that's quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, but I'll constantly refer to it as Q1, Q2, Q3. And between these knockout stages, you have an interval. So you have some breaks between. So you go for Q1, then you have a break, then you go for Q2, then you have a break, then you go for Q3. Q1 lasts 18 minutes. Q2 lasts 15 minutes. Q3 lasts 12 minutes. So essentially, the qualifying session is meant to determine the or the way the cars will line up come race day on Sunday. So you have 20 drivers in Formula 1. All of them are trying so hard to finish the qualifying session in Q3, whereby they finish higher up on the grid. So that come race day on Sunday, they start closer to the front of the grid. Because in Formula 1, you can't have a track that is as wide as, you know, 20 cars can fit. You actually only have two columns. So the goal is for you to be further up at the top of the column instead at the instead of being at the back of the column. That is how qualifying comes in. So in Q1, which lasts 18 minutes, you have 20 drivers come out onto the track, try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. And at the end of that session, Q1, the five slowest of the 20 drivers are eliminated from further qualification in Q2. So those five slowest call, uh, fill up the last five spots on the grid. So that's, I believe, position 20, 18, position 20, position 19, 18, 17, and position 16. Then you have a break. Then you have Q2, which lasts for 15 minutes. Now you have 15 drivers go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. And at the end of Q2, the five slowest of the 15 drivers are eliminated from further qualifications. And those five uh, slowest fill, sorry, uh, fill up the fill up um positions i believe from position uh, is it 11 till 15 on the grid yeah then when you get to q3 which lasts for 12 minutes drivers are given a new set of soft tires and they go out there there are two, 10 drivers at this particular point they go out onto the track and try to set the fastest lap time possible at the end of the session the way they finish in terms of time is how they will line up come sunday or for the race so if you finished maybe say if you are the third fastest in q3 when it comes to race day on sunday you're going to line up in the third place on the grid if you finished first if you were the fastest overall in q3 in the third qualifying session that means you're going to start on pole position on sunday on race day which means you start in p1 if you were the second fastest fastest sorry you will start on sunday in second place I hope that makes sense, right? Okay, now let's go through each quarter, how it happened for the 2022 British Grand Prix. All right, now in Q1, 
it was already misty. So the track, you had wet track conditions. And I believe the team that was really struggling with the wet track conditions was Aston Martin. And you could see it with both their drivers. In Q1, Lance Stroll was the slowest car on the track. His car was the slowest on the track. Sebastian Vettel was struggling and you could hear him on radio complaining. Another person struggling was Daniel Ricciardo in the McLaren. You also had Alex Albon who was struggling with tire grip he kept saying you know he was losing tire grip he didn't have tire grip and all that so by the end of q1 these were the five drivers that were eliminated it was alex albon for williams kevin magnuson for haas sebastian vettel for aston martin mick schumacher for haas and last straw for aston martin so you have the uh, both aston martins out you have both Haas cars out and you have one williams car out as well we got to q2 it was still misty. In fact, it felt like it was more mistier than before. I don't know if mistier is a word. And you might say, well, the drivers do have special visors that, you know, work well in the wet. But even with that, I feel like it sort of blurs your vision. And even then, you can't go too fast because you risk crashing. You risk, you know, damaging your chassis. You remember, it's qualifying. You have the race day tomorrow. And you also want to save your tires. But then when you go too slow in wet conditions, you're losing grip. So, and this is qualifying. You want to set the fastest lap time that you could possibly set. So that is what the drivers were facing during qualifying. Now, with 17 minutes, uh, sorry, seven minutes left to go in Q2, I think Nicolas Latifi for a moment there was, you know, getting to Q3, which was the very first time we've seen him get to Q3. He's in a Williams car and his teammate had been eliminated in Q1. So that was quite exciting to see. We go to Q3 and it was still misty. In fact, Max Verstappen's uh, engineer told him that they expect more rain. And anyway, with eight minutes left on the clock, Max Verstappen spun around and corrected it. But even though he corrected it, he had ruined his lap nevertheless. So he just it just didn't work well for him. And, you know, like I said before, you can't go too slow in wet, uh, under wet conditions because then your tires will get too cold. And the whole point of qualifying session is for you to set the fastest lap time that you could possibly set. And then you don't want to go too fast because you're probably going to end up in the barrier and ruin your chassis or damage your engine or something. So qualifying under such conditions is really, really, really tricky. Now, later on, I thought maybe Max could, you know, just make it better. But unfortunately, he messed up in the middle sector somewhere there. And then everything just went not the right way that it usually goes for Max. We also had a yellow flag that was quickly cleared. sorry, And that was because Charles Leclerc momentarily spanned during Q3. So essentially, that is how it went. Oh, I forgot to tell you the drivers that were eliminated in Q2. In Q2, Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, Yuki Tsunoda, Valtteri Bottas, and Bia Gasly were eliminated. Now, I think I can give you the qualifying results for the 2022 British Grand Prix. On pole position, for the very first time in his Formula 1 career at Silverstone, was none other than Carlos Sainz Jr. for Ferrari. In second place was his former teammate, Max Verstappen. Yes, Max and Carlos were once teammates in Formula 1. In third place was Charles Leclerc. Sergio Perez qualified fourth. Lewis Hamilton qualified fifth. Lando Norris qualified sixth. Fernando Alonso qualified seventh. George Russell qualified eighth. Joe Guanzu qualified ninth. And Nicolas Latifi qualified tenth. In 11th place was Pierre Gasly. In 12th place was Valtteri Bottas. In 13th place was Yuki Tsunoda. In 14th place was Daniel Ricciardo. In 15th place was Esteban Ocon. In 16th place was 
Alex Albon. In 17th place was Kevin Magnussen. In 18th place was Sebastian Vettel. Mick Schumacher qualified 19th and Lance Stroll qualified 20th. All right, now let's dive into the race itself. All right, welcome back from that short break. Now let's dive into the race itself. So at Silverstone, we do 52 laps. Also important to remember is that today, okay, the day of the race, it depends on when you listen to this, but the day of the race, which I believe is the 3rd of July, was Sebastian Vettel's birthday. So Sebastian Vettel turned 35 years at the British Grand Prix with lots of fans celebrating him. In fact, the Grand Prix had about 142,000 fans in the stands. So there was a lot of people there. All right, let's dive into it. So lap one, before we even complete a full lap, we have a red flag. And it is because there's a well, it was a terrible, terrible crash for Joe Guanzu in the Alfa Romeo. And I'm pretty sure you're going to see clips of it, you know, depending on where you watch your Formula 1 from, maybe B maybe BBC or Sky Sports F1, wherever you watch it from, or YouTube, you will see the crash uh, Joe Guanzu was involved in. Now, it was pretty devastating. I mean, when it happened, I was like, what? I remember it, it took me back instantly to the time when Roman Grosjean crashed through the barriers it was different but it was just as scary as that one to me honestly in my personal opinion and it's one of those accidents that happen in formula one where different people have different opinions on how it happened so what i usually say is go to youtube and just look at the race highlights and then you judge for yourself what happened in my opinion this is what happened there was george russell on the left and i think joe Guanzu on the right Nico Nicolas Latifi between them, a little bit ahead, and Pierre Gasly behind them, a little bit behind. So from what I saw, I stand to be corrected on this. It was as though Pierre Gasly just wanted to go between Russell and Joe Guanzu and just, you know, go ahead of Nicolas Latifi somehow. But in trying to do that, he clipped Joe Guanzu and then Joe Guanzu. I don't even understand how that happened. But Joe Guanzu just he scared just one of he literally flipped upside down onto the track and the car just went past the sand gravel into those tires on the barrier and then it hit the catch fencing and then landed back it was that bad and all of this happened while the car was upside down there was literally sparks coming off the car and if it hadn't been for the halo and the sparks and obviously god i really believe in god god had his hand in this i don't know whether we would have had a race or whether it would have been a good day at all because it was that scary. Honestly, I was freaked out. The guy was flipped on his head and the car was just, you know, going through the track onto the sand gravel. You know, it, all this time it was overturned and then it hit the tires. You know, the Formula One has you, those tires that are meant to absorb um, a shock and then it hit those tires and then it hit the fence that usually that is meant to protect fans from these kinds of incidents and then it bounced back onto the chair so he had like a number of seconds in that whole collusion and then you know the car just landed between the catch fencing and the tires on the side and he was just there for a while and we were like is he okay in fact pierre gasly eventually later on went into the alfa romeo garage to you know get some information is is the guy's radio on we couldn't hear him on radio we didn't know what was happening and it was 
frightening to say the least. Now, as that happened, there was also another incident at the start of the race. From what I saw again, perspective can be different for different people, so you have to check it out yourself. Sebastian Vettel hit the back of Alex Albon, who hit the back of Esteban Ocon. And Esteban Ocon, in trying to avoid Daniel Ricciardo, ended up on the gravel, and then it just caused another collusion of its own. So you had two collusions happening. But the worst, honestly, in my opinion, was the Joguenzu one. I saw something similar to that, I think, in Formula 2, I think, or Formula 3. And boy, was I freaked out. When a car overturns and it's just, you know, it's literally racing upside down. That is not how it's supposed to happen. And you have sparks coming out. And thank God we have the halo. Because if that halo wasn't on, even the helmet couldn't do its job. And they say the halo has the power to withstand, I think, a bus. It can withstand the impact of a bus or something. That's how powerful it is. So it protected his head from, you know, touching the ground. Otherwise, it would have been his scalp, like, you know, racing on the ground. Oh, my God. Even saying it is very wrong. But... Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that he is perfectly okay. In fact, after the race, 22 minutes after the race, I remember the exact time, 22 after, minutes after the race, he he posted a picture of himself on Instagram saying that he's all right. But it was just nerve-wracking. I can imagine what his parents felt, what his family felt, what his friends felt, what the fans felt, the garage, and even us who watch from afar, it's just... Mm -mm. Those things just... Oh, my God. <laughs> For a moment, they were like, do we really have to do racing? But thank God he's all right. So because of that incident, those inc incidents, we had a red flag that lasted close to one hour. Because the race began at 5 p.m., we resumed the race at 5.58 p.m., so close to one hour. We had a red flag. They had to extract Joe Gwenzu from the car. It was pretty hard to extract him from the car because he was now sideways between the catch fencing which is the barrier that protects fans from Formula One cars, and then those tires that are usually meant to absorb shock from, I mean, shock, sorry, from impact of a Formula One car. So there was a lot of that going on. There had to be debris cleared off the track, you know, and there was a lot going on, like I said before. Now, under the safety car, a few things happened. First and foremost, remember Carlos Sainz qualified on pole? Well, Max, under the safety car, took the lead. Then George Russell... When all this happened, he got out of the car to go and check on Joe Gwenzu. And in so doing, he had to turn the engine of his car off, get out of the car, and then check. So when he came back, he tried to restart his car, but he failed. And then the mechanics came to help him, and somehow the car ended up on a track. And because of that, he could not rejoin the race later on at 5.58 p.m. Because those are the rules. You know, when an incident like that happens, you're supposed to drive back to the pit stops and then fix your car from there. It cannot be fixed on the track. Once they fix it on the track, then you cannot rejoin the race. So that is what happened. Now, still in between the waiting, remember when I told you that Max Verstappen had taken lead of the race? In between the waiting, race control decided that Max would be dropped from first place to second place. And Lewis Hamilton, who had moved to third place, was going to be dropped to fifth place. And I think the reason that happened is because we hadn't completed a full lap in, form, uh, in the race. So because we hadn't done a full lap, we went back to how it all began. Also during that time, Mercedes tried to convince the FIA to let George Russell restart the race, but... They failed to make it work because Russell had received assistance on the track from the mechanics. So that wasn't going to happen. 
So at the end of it all, by the time we restarted, three drivers were out. Joe Drasser, Joe Wenzu, and Alex, Alex Albon. So we only had 17 drivers restarting the race. We had Carlos Sainz Jr., we had Max Verstappen, we had Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Lando Norris, Lewis Hamilton, Pierre Gasly, Fernando Alonso, Nicolas Latifi, Yuki Tsunoda, Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, Valtteri Bottas, Sebastian Vettel, Kevin Magnussen, Lance Stroll and Mick Schumacher left in the race. Now, the race restarted. Remember, we were under the red flag. No racing was done. Everybody was in the pits. You had the opportunity to change your tires, but then it didn't make sense, really. Well, some people changed their tires, but we had barely done a lap. So you could change your tires. You could fix things on your car that maybe went off during, you know, the start of the race. You could do a lot of things there. There's about 15 things that you could change on your car during that entire the session as the track was being cleared and racing was being to be resumed. Now, we restarted the race on lap three. And uh, remember, Formula One has a three-hour period, so the race is supposed to happen within three hours after lights out. So we couldn't wait for so, so, so long because we had a time frame to, you know, finish the race in. So we restarted on lap three. And at the race restart, Carlos Sainz, managed to defend himself against Max Verstappen because he nearly got overtaken by Max, Max Verstappen. Sorry, Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez were going at it wheel to wheel and in fact they made a little bit of contact but thankfully no damage was done. Charles Leclerc again tried to go on the outside of Max Verstappen trying to make the overtake but unfortunately he was pushed off the track and he didn't manage to make the overtake. So the stewards actually noted the incident because they were wondering, did Max Verstappen actually push push Charles Leclerc too far off the track? Was it fair? Was it unfair? And all those things. So at that particular moment, the stewards were noting it. By the time we got to lap five, Carlos Sainz was still leading the race. And by that point, Ferrari had now been lead... Ferrari, Ferrari as a team had now... Uh, um, and now broken, broken a record of leading over 80,000 kilometers of race laps in their history as a team. So this is one of the oldest teams in Formula 1. And so far they've led over 80,000 kilometers of race laps. When it comes to racing, not even counting the last laps of, you know, this race, which we'll look at later. Now, further behind Carlos Sainz, but not too far away, was Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris and Sergio Perez. Now, this is what was happening. Lewis Hamilton had DRS on Lando Norris. So, Lando Norris was defending himself against Lewis Hamilton. But, Lando Norris also had DRS on Sergio Perez, who was in front of him. Now, when we go to lap six, Sergio Perez pitted. And at that particular moment, we didn't understand why he was pitting. Still on lap six, we were told by the stewards that there wasn't any further investigation going to happen in regards to the Max and Charles Leclerc incident. Remember the one I told you when Max pushed Charles Leclerc off the track? Well, there was no further incident. There was no further investigation into that. Then later on, still on lap six, Lewis Hamilton again managed to gain DRS on Landon Norris, and he made the overtake on Landon Norris. So by lap six, Lewis Hamilton was running in fourth place. We get to lap eight. Sergio Perez is running in 16th place and is losing speed. And this time we know why he's losing speed. is because he had a damaged wing. 
We also unfortunate news also for London Norris. He was now running a second slower on every lap that he was doing by lap eight. So he was still running in fifth place, but he was really slow. His teammate was doing way worse, I would say. That was Daniel Ricciardo, who was down in 12th place. We go to lap 10, and unfortunately, Carlos Sainz made a mistake on the hunger street. He went off the track, and that's when he went off the track at the wrong moment. Because when he went off the track, actually, it was around that moment when Max Verstappen had DRS on him. So Max Verstappen actually made the overtake on lap 10. So we don't know whether it was actually when they pushed him off the track or it was something with the car, but he messed it up a little bit, went off the track, and that's all you need. Mess up your lap and Max is going to overtake you. We get to lap 11. There's a little bit of a collusion because um, Yuki Tsunoda and Pierre Gasly, you know, get into each other at turn 15. So we have a yellow flag, but immediately it's cleared to a green flag. Still on that particular lap, Charles Leclerc, who was running in third place, had DRS on his teammate Carlos Sainz, who was running in second place. By that time, we got to lap 12. Leclerc was on radio saying that he's faster than Carlos Sainz. In other words, he wanted team orders for the swap to happen so that, you know, Carlos Sainz would let him go through. But that wasn't happening. Now, good news. Still on lap 12, a few seconds later, we see Max Verstappen slowing down because he had gotten a puncture after running off a cab. So when he slows down, Carlos Sainz manages to make the overtake on him and so does Charles Leclerc make the overtake on him as well. We get to lap 13, Max Verstappen obviously he has to go to the pits and when he pits, he comes out in sixth place. In fact, by lap 14, when he had come out of the pits, he was still worried that there was something wrong with the car. He wasn't sure whether it was the tires or the bodywork or something, but he just knew something was wrong with the car. And he communicated that over radio. Now, after looking into it, his engineer came back on radio and told him it was just bodywork damage that is not critical, so he can actually continue with the race without being worried about it. We get to lap 15, Yuki Tsunoda is given a five-second penalty for the collusion we talked about earlier that he had with Pierre Gasly. In fact, when that collusion happened, Yuki Tsunoda was just swearing on radio. He spun around and he was just swearing on radio and he was just pissed. He was just being Yuki Tsunoda. If you know Yuki in, in Formula 1, you know how he talks. He's just constantly swearing and swearing and swearing and swearing. Now, still on lap 15, Charles Leclerc, was running in second place has deal rest on his teammate Carlos Sainz was running in first place so in other words is some bit of mild competition now behind Charles Leclerc is Lewis Hamilton who is four tenths of a second quicker than Carlos Sainz in fact at that particular moment Lewis Hamilton sets the fastest lap of the race now, as Ferrari is competing, the Ferraris are competing between themselves. They are actually affecting their lap times, which is giving, you know, Lewis all, all the advantage, not all the advantage, but, you know, some advantage that he needs. Lap 16, Carlos Sainz actually starts to weave to stop Charles Leclerc. Now, in doing that, he's just, in my opinion, he's making everything worse. I know he doesn't want to be overtaken by his teammate, but actually his teammate has to, you know, 
tried to overtake him while defending himself against Lewis Hamilton, so it's no good. In fact, by lap 18, Charles Leclerc comes on radio and argues that he can go faster, that the team should do something about it. Because if your teammate is stopping you from going faster and yet you have to defend yourself against the Mercedes, what do they expect? You're obviously going to you know, keep falling back down the grid. You're just going to keep losing positions, losing positions, because the person at the front is just not fast enough. Now we get to lap 19. And Carlos Sainz Jr. is told by his team radio, by his team engineer, to keep pushing more and more. And at this moment, Mercedes had the opportunity to undercut the Ferraris that were arguing and pit first. By that, I meant I meant that Lewis could actually pit in between there and then probably come out between the two Ferraris that you know arguing with each other. And if he came out ahead of Charles Leclerc. Definitely Carlos Sainz, I'm thinking, would have been an easier target because Carlos was not actually as fast as he was. And, you know, all that arguing was happening between them, him and his driver. Now we get to lap 20 and Carlos again is told to push more. And in fact, he comes on radio and says, and I quote, OK, don't tell me again. Like it's now getting irritating to him. A few seconds later on in the lap, the team decides, you know what, to pit Carlos Sainz. And that is meant to give way to Charles Leclerc because Charles Leclerc was in second place. So when Carlos pits, it gives Charles Leclerc the opportunity to run in first place. And it's also an undercut to Lewis Hamilton because then Lewis could not pull the undercut and then they had done it first. They had pitted first. So when Carlos pits, he comes out in third place ahead of London Norris, but behind Lewis in second place with Charles Leclerc in first place. We get to lap 21 and another Alfa Romeo retires. And this one is Valtteri Bottas. He retires because of mechanical conditions. Remember, Joe Guanzu was out of the race already. And now Valtteri Bottas was out of the race as well. We get to lap 24. Max Verstappen, who's running in sixth place, is called to pit for the hard tires. You know, hard tires last longer, but they are slower in a race. Lap 25, Charles Leclerc is also called to the pits. He was running in first place. He comes out in third place. Now, this gives way for Lewis Hamilton. Now, Lewis takes the lead with Carlos in second and Charles Leclerc in third. But the thing is, Lewis hadn't pitted. So, they knew what they were doing. We get to lap 26. Max Verstappen, who's running in sixth place, is now struggling and complaining about his tears. On the other hand, the person who was at the front of the race, Lewis Hamilton, was actually saying that his tires are still doing good. Lab 27, Max Verstappen is now complaining about not having grip with the tires. We get to lap 29, Carlos Sainz is running in second place and Charles Leclerc is running in third place. Then Charles Leclerc comes on radio and asks his team engineer whether they are fighting. In other words, shouldn't I be given, you know, room to just overtake Carlos Sainz? Team orders, can team orders come into play? Can't I be allowed to overtake my teammate without fighting for it at all? Can't we swap places easily without fighting? But instead, Ferrari responds and tells them that they can fight it out. They, they're no team orders. So Charles Leclerc, if he wants to be in second place, he's going to have to work for it and not just have to overtake Carlos Sainz because Carlos Sainz has been given orders to let him overtake. Eventually, by lap 30, Carlos Sainz's engineer comes on radio and gives him a target. Otherwise, they're going to have to switch the cars. And it made sense. Charles Leclerc was going faster than Carlos Sainz. And, you know, Carlos was saying he can do it, he can do it, but they weren't seeing him do it. So what they did was they gave him a target. It was also on this lap that we got to know that Joe Guanzu was released from hospital. He was 
declared healthy, I believe. I stand to be corrected on that one. But anyway, we got to know that he was released from hospital. Thank God. We get to lab 31. Carlos Sainz Jr.'s engineer comes on radio and tells him that what he has done is not good enough. So they're going to have to swap the cars. So the swap is made. Lewis is still leading the race. But now Charles Leclerc is in second place. And Carlos Sainz Jr. is running in third place. Lap 34, Lewis Hamilton decides to pit for the hard tyres and he comes out in third place behind Charles Leclerc who is leading the race and Carlos Sainz Jr. who is in second place. We get to lap 35, Lando Norris who is running in fifth place decides to pit for the second time in the race and he still comes out in fifth place ahead of Fernando Alonso. Now why he pitted for the second time was because they were just responding to Fernando Alonso who had also just actually pitted. So they were trying to preserve their position and protect themselves. Lap 37, Max Verstappen is still struggling. This time he's struggling with pace. In fact, on this particular lap, Esteban Ocon overtakes Max Verstappen with ease. So now Max is running in ninth place with Esteban Ocon ahead of him in eighth place. Also on this particular lap, Charles Leclerc is told about fuel saving. Now, here's a few things I understand about fuel saving in Formula 1. You can, um, well, Silverstone is one of those long circuits that we have on the Formula 1 calendar. I believe it's the fourth longest circuit that we have in Formula 1. So, and you know, the more fuel you have in a Formula 1 car, the slower you're going to be. That is why Formula 1 drivers are naturally more leaner unless muscular, muscular, I don't know how to pronounce that word. They're leaner, less muscular, and you want your car to be as light as possible because lighter things move faster. That's what I believe. So sometimes uh, teams may not put in as much fuel as you'd expect them to put in because, you know, um, I believe, I think 10 liters of fuel slows you down by 10 tenths of a second per lap, I believe, or something like that. So the more fuel you have in the car, the slower you're going to be. So sometimes you can gamble it out and think to yourself, that you know what, maybe we're going to have a safety car or two. And that means we'll consume less fuel on the track. So you put in less fuel in the car. But then sometimes you actually go for the race and you don't have a safety car come out. Or if the safety car comes out, it's just for a shorter period. And now you have to conserve your fuel, which means you don't go as hard as you should go or you would want to go, which obviously affects your track times obviously affects your results in the race. So Charles Leclerc is told that, you know what, you have to be careful with the fuel. And of course, he's not happy with it and neither are we. That same lap still, lap 37, we get to realize that, you know, what's affecting Max Verstappen's speed or pace is the fact that his flow had been damaged earlier. So Formula One cars are built very low to the ground if you look at them. And uh, I think there's a lot of components in the flow area. I don't really know the technical side of things. But if you damage your flow, that means you're affecting your, you're losing downforce ultimately. And you know, if you're losing downforce, that means you're not going to be as fast as you normally are. So that is what was affecting Max Verstappen. He had a damaged flow, which means he was losing downforce. We get to lab 39. Unfortunately, things turned the other way for Esteban Ocon, who had now, he had, you know, um, a few laps earlier, overtaken Max Verstappen. Now he was being overtaken. He was overtaken by Max Verstappen. He was overtaken by Mick Schumacher, Kevin Magnussen, Nicholas Latifi, Lance Stroll, all in one single lap. And now he had dropped down to, I think, 13th or 14th place. Then that same lap, a few seconds later, his car just parks by the barrier on the old pit straight and it just stops. And that is how we got the safety car in the race.
Now, now, by the time we get to lap 40, we're still under the safety car. Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton decide to pit for soft tires. And at this particular moment, it's Carlos Sainz running in first place. No, sorry. It's Charles Leclerc running in first place. Carlos Sainz in second place. Lewis Hamilton in third place. Sergio Perez in fourth. Lando Norris in fifth place. Then, now, as you know, as they're going behind the safety car, you know you're not supposed to overtake behind the safety car. And you're supposed to keep a distance of about, I think, 10 car lengths. Am I right? Or about 8 meters. It should be something like that. So under the safety car, Charles Leclerc is told that, you know, Lewis and Carlos Sainz have gotten soft tires. And, you know, he starts to get worried. And I understand why he's getting worried. He's on old tires for starters. He's on old hard tires for starters. And then he also has the fuel saving issue. So he instantly gets worried. And you understand why. By lap 41, uh, the race control lets us know that lapped cars are allowed to overtake under the safety car. Remember, this just this single line caused a lot of chaos last year at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. It messed up a lot of people when race control was, you know, it was like, you know, lapped cars can, you know, unlap themselves and then we're like, they can't unlap themselves. Something along those lines. Just know I covered that race on my podcast channel and it's one of those races i really don't like to relieve i just oh my god it was very very nerve-wracking to watch but it was iconic i think it's one of those races that will never ever ever forget oh my god anyway so the lapped cars were allowed to overtake themselves under the safety car so there were only two lapped cars that was daniel ricardo who was running in 13th place and yuki Tsunoda, who was running in 14th place now, remember, there were only 14 drivers left in the race. So those were the last two drivers on the grid, which is quite, un, uh, um, what is the word? Heartbreaking for Daniel Ricciardo because he's the honey badger. <laughs> so seeing him struggling with a McLaren, it just doesn't make sense why it's not clicking. I know he's giving it his best. I know he's doing his absolute best. And we're just going to be here cheering him on and hoping that, you know, things work out the way that they should. Now, the drivers that were out of the race by this time were Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Valtteri Bottas, George Russell, Joe Guanzu, and Alex Albon. Now, something interesting happened on lap 42. Under the safety car, Carlos Sainz Jr.'s um, a dim engineer came on radio and told him, to give Charles Leclerc breathing space. Now, I just didn't get the whole thing. We are racing. You know, you have to look out for yourself. I have to look out for myself. I know we're teammates. I can support you whenever. But how on earth am I supposed to give you breathing space when we are racing? Should I race slower? And if I'm racing slower, that means the person behind me is most definitely going to overtake me. Because we are at Silverstone. We have less than 20 laps to go. Everybody wants to finish on the podium. I am closer to the podium. Why on earth would I be giving the person the front breathing space? And, you know, after all, earlier on, like we had seen before, Carlos Sainz was, you know, running slower at one point than Charles Leclerc. And Charles Leclerc was not giving him breathing space. If anything, he was asking for them to be swept. So for this to be asked of him, I was like, that's not right. That's not fair. But anyway, he also, you know, he, he spoke his mind. And you will listen to Team Radio and you hear what he said. He didn't say anything wrong or hurtful, but... You get what he said. You understand what he said. Now, lap 43, the safety car exits. 
And then it got even more interesting in this part of the race. It got so interesting, I actually broke a nail. So when the safety car exits, that means racing has resumed. You now have to fight for your life. And that is when Charles Leclerc made the mistake. He accidentally went off track and then Carlos Sainz made the overtake. Just like you remember when Carlos Sainz accidentally went off track and Max Verstappen made the overtake. So you have to get everything right. In fact, I think Max Verstappen spinning and qualifying cost him pole position. That's why I'm thinking I stand to be corrected. So you have to get your laps right here. You have to get your laps right in Formula 1. So naturally, Charles Leclerc tried to fight back, but he ended up failing to do so. Another person that was overtaken was uh, Lewis Hamilton. He was overtaken by Sergio Perez. And that was because he didn't have enough grip. Now, by lap 44, Lewis tried to go on the outside of Sergio Perez at the Cobb's corner, but he unfortunately failed to do so. Lap 45, Carlos Sainz was flying for sure. He was prancing away like the horse Ferrari is... I don't know why I said that. But anyway, he was really going so fast. He actually said the fastest lap of the race at that particular moment. Still on lap 45, Sergio Perez was running in third place, was told the DRS is enabled. So as they were going on the Wellington Street, he had the opportunity to make the overtake on Charles Leclerc and he actually did it. Now, Charles Leclerc didn't give up easily. He fought back. He tried to fight him back. And in so doing, at one particular moment, Lewis Hamilton actually overtook both of them because they were both fighting and Lewis was running in second place. But that was only for a few seconds because by lap 46, Lewis had actually dropped back to fourth place. Lap 46 still, the stewards note Sergio Perez leaving the track. The incident is noted. Remember, as they were fighting it out with Charles Leclerc, somebody had to go off the track to defend themselves and uh, the incident was noted. And I just have to say, I really loved seeing Sergio Perez fight. I actually, I enjoyed so much. Abu Dhabi 2020, the Grand Prix, he gave Lewis Hamilton a hard time. Boy, did I enjoy seeing that. I just love seeing Sergio Perez fighting fairly. Sometimes it can be unfair, but when he's fair, it's really entertaining to watch. He's just very brilliant at it. He's very good at it. Anyway, we get to, I believe... Mm, Lap 48, when Lewis Hamilton actually made the overtake on Charles Leclerc through the Cobb's corner. Actually, this one was a long one coming because it always looked like Lewis was about to make it and then Charles Leclerc would defend himself. Lewis is about to make it, then Charles would defend himself. And meanwhile, we're like on lap 48 and we're like, oh my God, we only have 52 laps. You know, the race is going to end and, you know, he'll come close and then Charles Leclerc would defend himself. Come close, Charles Leclerc would defend himself. It was very interesting, entertaining to watch. Also, other drivers that were fighting, which was so rare for me. I've never seen this happen. But Mick Schumacher and Max Verstappen were fighting. You know, Mick was in uh, eighth place trying to overtake Max Verstappen, who is in seventh place. So that is how bad, I should say, Max Verstappen's race had gone. So that was also so entertaining to watch. And uh, I believe we've come to the end of the 2022 British Grand Prix. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, here are your results for the 2022 British Grand Prix. For the very first time in his Formula 1 career, Carlos Sainz Jr. won the British Grand Prix. Boy, was that exciting. Even though you're not a Ferrari fan or you're not a Carlos Jr. fan, this was amazing to watch. Because 
you know, in the middle of the race, you'd have thought, I don't think he's going to make it. He was, you know, going slower than Lewis. He was going slower than Charles Leclerc. But to see him win, oh my God, it felt so good. In second place was Sergio Perez, who's like my favorite attacker in Formula One, if there's such a thing. In third place was Lewis Hamilton, who's been on the podium 13 times at Silverstone, so that is a record breaker. In fourth place was Charles Leclerc. In fifth place was Fernando Alonso. In sixth place was Lando Norris. Max Verstappen finally defended himself fully and completely from Mick Schumacher. So he, Max Verstappen finished seventh. Mick Schumacher finished eighth. Sebastian Vettel on his birthday scored a point. Two points, actually. So he finished ninth place. And then Kevin Magnussen finished in tenth place. In 11th place was Lance Stroll. In 12th place was Nicolas Latifi. Daniel Ricciardo finished 13th and Yuki Tsunoda finished 14th. The rest of the drivers did not finish the race. They were Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Valtteri Bottas, George Russell, Joe Guanzu, and Alex Albon. So though I don't know if you enjoyed it as much as I did, but I absolutely loved every bit of racing. Now, here are your driver's standings. Max Verstappen is leading with 181 points. Sergio Perez is second with 147 points. Charles Leclerc is third with 138 points. Carlos Sainz Jr. is fourth with 127 points. George Russell is fifth with 111 points. Lewis Hamilton is sixth with 93 points. Landon Norris is seventh with 58 points. Valtteri Bottas is 8th with 46 points. Esteban Ocon is 9th with 39 points. And Fernando Alonso is 10th with 28 points. In 11th is Pierre Gasly with 16 points. Kevin Magnussen is 12th with 16 points. Sebastian Vettel is 13th with 15 points. Daniel Ricciardo is 14th with 15 points. Yuki Tsunoda is 15th with 11 points. Joe Guanzu is 16th with 5 points. Mick Schumacher is 17th with 4 points. Alexander Albon is 18th with 3 points. We have Lance Stroll in 19th with 3 points. And Nicolas Latifi in 20th with no point at all. And to round it up is Nico Hulkenberg in 21st place with no point at all. When it comes to constructors, Red Bull Racing is leading with 328 points. Ferrari is 2nd with 200. 265 points. Mercedes is third with 204 points. McLaren is fourth with 73 points. Alpine is fifth with 60, 67 points. Alfa Romeo is sixth with 51 points. Alfa Tauri comes in seventh with 27 points. Haas Formula One team comes in eighth with 20 points. Aston Martin comes in ninth with 18 points. And to round it up is Williams Racing with three points. And that brings us to the end of the British Grand Prix. And uh, I will see you again uh, for the Austrian Grand Prix, I believe, which will be happening from the 8th to the 10th of July. Then it will be in France from the 22nd to the 24th of July. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode as much as I did. If you'd love to connect, please do not hesitate. My Instagram handle is at Humura underscore Ruth. That is spelled as H-U-M-U-R-A underscore Ruth. Um... My, <laughs> I don't know why I'm forgetting everything. I'm just so excited. But my Instagram page for this podcast is ZF1 Amateur Podcast. That is the name of the podcast. It's also found on Instagram as well. You can find me on Twitter as well as at Formula One Amateur. Or you can send an email to MbabaZRuth77 at gmail.com. That is spelled as M-B-A-B-A-Z-I-R-U-T-H 77 at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I will see you next time in Austria.